Hello, everyone. This is Bob and Ross with Worldview Matters. We're glad you joined with us again. A lot of things happening in the world over the course of the last few days and weeks. And what's been happening really fits into the discussion that we've been having for the past four weeks and will continue to have because worldview does matter. And what we see is the conflict of diametrically opposed worldviews within the theistic uh, area of religion. Good morning, Bob. Glad to be with you. Tell me how you would pick up on that and and continue talking about what we've seen over the weekend. Ross, it's uh, it's great to be with you again. These indeed, these are perilous, uh, challenging times in which we live. Uh, for our listeners' sake, we're recording this show, this particular show on September the seventeenth, two thousand and twelve, after a week of bloodshed. Uh, as part of a, an uprising against the West. Specifically, the uprising was in response to a little-known film and filmmaker uh, out of Los Angeles. I think most people, huh, I'm con- confident, most uh, Hollywood types had never heard of, of uh, Basile Nakula or his movie The Innocence of Muslims. But, boy, the whole world has heard of this uh, this B-rate, I think B-rate might be a bit of a, of a, uh, of a polite, uh, you know, upgrade for that particular movie. But but underneath that, Ross is is as you say, there is a there's a there's a clash not just of societies but of worldviews underlying all of this. Well, you know, I think we could get off on discussing uh, whether this movie was the cause of what we've seen in um, in that area or not. I personally feel that it's way bigger than just that movie. As a matter of fact, it, indications are from Libya that this was a planned attack by a number of people and of secondary, tertiary, or even lower value was this particular video that we're talking about. Well, I tend to agree with you. I think that the movie itself was just the trigger, the catalyst, the uh, the reason that was given. But there is an, an outrage and an agenda, uh, a military yeah. agenda. You can call it, it's a soft military agenda. There aren't any nation state armies that are mustering as of yet. No, but I think it's something that they're hiding behind. I think the leadership yeah. is hiding behind that, which is really not our issue. But it, it it does give them a sort of a safe place to hide to say that it has nothing to do with the difference between a Christian nation, which I think we are, uh, our, our nation was founded on Christian principles, and Muslim nations worldwide. I think that's the conflict that's taken place. This particular movie may have been an ancillary issue, but it was not what caused this problem. And But our issue on Worldview Matters is, what are the worldviews that are in conflict here, and where do we come down? How, do these, how does this conflict get resolved, or does it get resolved? Sure. Well, I think you're right, Ross. I mean, it really is ultimately a conflict between, and you mentioned this in the introduction to this particular program, that there are two theistic religions that are at the heart of this conflict. Um, 
Christian theism and other, a lot of people would put uh, biblical Judaism on the same side of Christian theism. And on the other side of the aisle is, uh, is Islam or the Muslim religion. And all three of those religions have a, have a stated high view of a single monotheistic religion whose creator is God. It's just that their views of God differ markedly after you get below just the, the primary claim of monotheism. Well, <clears throat> how does this get resolved, Bob? Well, I think that's a great question. And, I, you know, I think, I think that, that we have to recognize some of the things that you and I have been saying to each other now for these four or five weeks that our show has, been, has begun to air, uh, that Christian theism, as you mentioned earlier, was the predominant worldview of Western culture, Western society, for the first 1,600 years since the time of Christ. And then about the early 1700s, late 1600s, that began to shift. And Christian theism shifted more toward uh, where deism began to emerge. And then deism opened the door for other uh, worldviews that were in competition to Christian theism or biblical theism. And most recently, Islam has become a player, a major player in Western society. So, Ross, I want you to, to maybe share the, the statistic about the birth rates that you shared just in our preparation for the program today. I think that's very telling. Well, it takes, just if you do the math, it takes somewhere around 2.1 children per family to sustain a culture. And we heretofore had been had been growing at a significantly higher rate than 2.1 children per family, but in recent years that's declined. And if you look in Europe, those cultures have been growing and are, are currently growing at the rate of somewhere between 1.2 and 2.1 children per family. But Muslim families are growing somewhere north of seven and approaching eight per family. So all you have to do is to take the math out a little further, and it begins to you begin to see that it goes parabolic, and so that means that as a percentage of total population, Muslims are growing significantly more than any other cultural worldview. So, how long does it take for that to take over, or how pervasive is that? One can only estimate given those numbers, but that's a that's very factual. And all you have to do is travel into Europe and you see significantly more Muslims roaming the streets. You see enclaves of Muslim societies uh, in all areas of the, of the population, especially in England. You see that. Um, you see, and you see some pretty serious issues that have taken place with Muslim uh, with Muslim murders. As a matter of fact, Van Gogh's great-grandson was murdered because he stood up uh, against Muslims in a society. Uh, there was a man running for, his name was Pim Fortune, who ran for uh, the head of the Senate in the Netherlands. He was murdered before the election because he had come out against Muslims. So we're we're seeing some pretty significant issues. Now you see what you see in Libya and the other areas in, um, 
in the Mideast today, and you see fighting taking place with Muslims, and basically it's against the United States. It's against the worldview, and I, I do believe it's a worldview issue. Well, it really is, Ross, and I think you've, uh, you, you've really raised some great issues there, some telling, uh, maybe chilling issues. First of all, population-wise, the Western democracies are treading water. Right. I'll, uh, yes. While the Eastern uh, nation, the Mideastern nations, especially the, nation, the nations that often espouse Islam, are increasing exponentially. At, while that's going on, and this gets back to some of our previous shows, the, the, the Christian, the biblical theistic worldview that has, that has predominated Western culture is also being watered down. Whereas Islam, as a, as a worldview, is holding its own. In fact, in, in some ways it's growing, especially radical Islam seems to be growing. Uh, biblical theism in the West seems to be declining. And, uh, you know, we've talked about that some in the past. But if I could, Ross, I'd like to suggest something. I, I think that uh, we talked about this at our last show, but I, I think that there are some reasons for the decline of biblical Christian theism in the West. We, we mentioned this last time, and I'd like to come back to that before we leave today, but regarding some of the current uh, headline stories before us there, like, you know, the, the, the fact that the, the, the U.S. ambassador to Libya was, was, um, was murdered and his body dragged through the streets, you know, there's, I think that there are a lot of worldview issues that really are related to what we're seeing happening here. And one of them is, is the right to free speech. I mean, we have inherent in our Constitution the right that people can disagree in public. And so if you don't like a particular religion or the profit of a particular religion, in Western culture, uh, we hold the right to disagree to be a sacred right, people, uh, the, the right to a free press, the right to art in whatever form. Now, I, I just got to tell you, Ross, personally, I'm not a big fan of a lot of modern art because I think it reflects nihilism, which we've talked about some, but I may not like a crucifix suffused in urine, but our culture allows for that kind of art to be propagated. And in a lot of uh, Islamic culture, that you know, that kind of art, or any kind of art actually that that depicts any images at all, uh, is referred to as sacrilege. So, the whole idea of free speech is one of the the ancillary but very important issues related to worldview as that relates to this current crisis that we're in. Well, if you remember back about. I don't know whether it was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, there was a guy named Salman Rushdie who oh, yeah. wrote an uh, expose kind of on, Muslim, on Islam. He had to go underground because he had a, a bounty on his head. They were going to kill him for those comments. And that gets at the issue that you're talking about, freedom of speech that we have today. I mean, this issue of tolerance, um, you, you could make the case that the most intolerant group of people are today are those people that cry for tolerance of what they view. So, but, you, but you're right. There has to be a, a, a willingness or ability to have free speech, to have ideas 
come forth and debate those ideas in the marketplace, which is exactly what we do. I mean, we talk about this being an experiment. And really, the last 2,000 years has been an experiment. Uh, I heard someone say, was asked a question one day, what do you, how do you think the French Revolution affected culture? And this guy said, it's too early to tell. So, so these trends within the culture are longstanding, and they, they go on for a great period of time. As an ancillary thing, I'd like to comment to the listeners that you've made quite a study of of art in the Christian community as well as music. I think one day it might be great for us to have a show on that because I know you're a, a very much of an expert in how our art has developed within this culture. And you enlightened me on just the importance of music and art in this culture and how these changes have been made and how they have come about because of worldview changes. So that's just an ancillary thing, but, um, well, I'm not so sure, just for the record, I'm not so sure I would use the term expert to describe my understanding of Western art. But, but you, Ross, I think you're bringing up something that's really important because a lot of the, a lot of the rhetoric, a lot of the, the statements that are going across the international news media right now are you're hearing governments, not individuals, but governments, are holding the United States government responsible for this work of art. Now, now, admittedly, this could be a red herring. There, there's probably another agenda underneath that. But the I fact think it is that, a red herring. But the fact is that people in our government are beginning to wonder, wow, should we have put a stop? Or what role should government have in putting a stop to provocative art? It seems like that what the government is saying is, you know, we won't put a stop to any kind of provocative art until people start dying for it, and then we might. Now, that that just illustrates the tremendous angst and conflict going on in our own culture, uh, reflecting the fact that our own worldviews in Western society are often at odds with one another. Wow. There... You say at odds. We have, there are people at odds even within the theistic Christian community. There are people at odds in the Muslim community. We talked, uh, we talked earlier about uh, the, the fact that if you are a Muslim and you don't abide by the killing, which is stated in the Quran, you are either disregarding the book that you believe that you you believe in or you are underground in terms of your views and you're acting tolerant so you can get along in a society. Well, you know, I I think you're making a great point here and it's one that illustrates again, the, the, the vast difference between uh, biblical, a biblical theistic Christian worldview and a, an Islamic, worldview related to the right and responsibility of followers of those two religions to uh, basically defend the honor of their of the book of their scriptures and the honor of their prophet um, you know here again I, I just need to go on on record as a saying that I'm no authority on uh, on Islam but it but it it seems to me that 
one of the, the things behind the current crisis that we're facing is that extreme Muslims, if not many Muslims, are willing to go to great lengths to, uh, to defend the honor of the Quran and the honor of Muhammad. And, and, and many who, are, who we would think are on the extreme side of, of Islam uh, feel like they have a responsibility even to die and kill others for any, uh, any slanderous attack against their religion. Now, think about that for a moment in light of the words of Jesus Christ, who said that if you're struck on your left cheek, you should turn your right cheek to him. You know, I'm sorry, if you're struck on your right cheek, turn your left cheek to him. Basically, we're supposed to be willing to put up with insults. And that right there is a lot of why there is such a dichotomy between the Middle East and the West, because there's this this core value. And the core value is that is that men made in God's image, even though they're fallen, and we've talked about that in, in the past, still have a God-given right to think and act and decide and disagree about things, and that right can't be undermined. That is the, that's the philosophy behind our Constitution, which gives people which allows for a free press. And here's what I want our readers to to be reminded of, that those constitutional rights, those uh, those great ideas that support our Constitution are remnants of Christian thinking. And uh, we've, we've, we've moved away from the foundation of that Christian thinking but we still have these echoes, these uh, these these uh, these long-standing uh, ideologies that give us the Ross. It gives us the right to have this show to talk about these things in a public forum. People out there don't have to agree with us, but we still have the right to be able to talk about these things. Yeah, and the 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 people that. Um are so much against our society, are from societies that will not allow something like what we're doing to take place in that society. You know, it's interesting that in virtually every dominant Muslim culture, they are unhappy. The only place that, uh, that Muslims are happy as a group are in the cultures and are, are given the rights to do what they want to do are in the predominantly Christian cultures. Well, I think a lot of our, our Muslim friends might disagree with you about whether or not they're happy in one particular nation, state, or culture or another. But your point is that in this culture, in this culture, people do have the right to choose things. They have a right to, to develop a lifestyle that... Uh, is based on their own personal choices. And so liberty, that's another one of those great ideas that have been sustained and are sustainable because we have 1,600 years of Christian theism that are in place here. Now, admittedly, you and I talked about this before, uh, the church has made great mistakes. Not all Christians have consistently lived out their worldview. 
but the worldview that supports the right of liberty is a Christian concept. Right. Well, hopefully we haven't gotten far afield. We, we really want to focus on how do these, how is there a clash of two theistic worldviews, which is Islam and Christianity. Should there be a coexistence of those? Do we, you and I as Christians, what is our responsibility to the Islamic culture? Is it to attempt to share with them our worldview, proselytize, so to speak? Um, is it to accommodate that culture? Is it to tell the truth about it? See it, and is it stated in the Quran? What is our responsibility here? Well, I think you can you can just go back to look at the response that came after 9-11 and see that in Western culture, no no one who had any kind of a real leverageable influence in our society said that Muslims and the and the and the, the Islamic religion did not have a right and a place at the table of ideas in Western culture. No one called for that. No one called for a fundamentalism that, uh, that did not allow Islamic fundamentalism a place at the table. There, there's, a, there's a great irony here that in, in American culture, which has been built upon a bibliocentric worldview, there's this idea that Islam can exist as an ideology that can be debated, that can be talked about, that can be uh, maybe even argued about in a civil way, but that there's still a place for that. And, but, Ross, you know, this does bring up another issue related to worldview, and that is, and we may not have time in this show to talk any more about, uh, about the difference between Islam and biblical or Christian theism. We might have to devote, to devote a couple of shows to that, Ross, especially to see how both of these worldviews answer those eight questions. But, but I just have to bring up this point before we get off the air here. And that is that how does, what, what do these different worldviews say the role of nation states is to support that particular worldview, which is really the question you were asking a minute ago. What role do nation states have? What is the best political solution to a lot of the unrest that we see around us? Now, again, Ross, this isn't a political show. I'm going to leave that to you and some of your other colleagues. But there is a, a role of government, and you see that being debated in the public forum. Some are advocating appeasement. Some are advocating a show of force. I think many people are just advocating a, a head-in-the-sand approach. Let's just hope this thing goes away, which you and I both know it probably is not going to go away. It's well, be- I think it gets down to there, there is a big worldview differential between Muslims, Islam, and the Christian faith. Absolutely, there is. Christians, we, we know that we have a choice. God gives us truth, gives us an opportunity to, to make any choice that we want to make. We can accept Christ or we can reject Christ. We are born into, maybe we're born into a family that has a worldview. 
but we're not necessarily born with a specific worldview. That's developed. In the Muslim culture, government is inside the religion. In the U.S. culture, the religion is a part, should be, well, it's it, the separation of church and state. That's a lie in terms of what the Constitution says. But you are not, religion is not at the center or the core of the, of the government. But in, in Islam, government is at the center or the core of the religion. So people that are born into Muslim families, they're born as Muslims. They don't have a choice to get outside. They are in it. That's you are castigated, um, excommunicated, could be killed for establishing worldviews outside of the Muslim worldview. So there is complete intolerance for choice inside the Islamic worldview. Well, and I think there's one thing that's that's incredibly ironic about our our national. Uh, policies and maybe some of the, the the stance of our state department in recent weeks i won't just say i'm not particular talking about any particular political uh party now ross i'm talking about the last 50 years now uh, maybe the last 250 years of 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 uh, state department our international policy which basically says this as long as uh, there is a democratic process in place. We, our our national governments, are, tend to tend to to give uh, a, a give high marks to nations where the governments are elected democratically. Are you following me on this? Yes. The thing that's so ironic about that, in terms of our recent these recent news items, is. Uh, a lot of this started in a democratically elected government. I'm talking about the government of Egypt, which uh, espouses the Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, you know, the, yeah, they were elected democratically. They were elected democratically, so there's a bit of hypocrisy. You can almost see the the angst at our national political discussions because we're going, wait a minute. Yeah, they chose right. something. And they didn't choose what we wanted them to choose. That's right. And, and this gets back to the fact that the worldview of a populace has great influence and impact on the way that particular society unfolds. And that's been the point that we've been making on this show, Ross, since we started, that worldview really does matter. Wow. That's a place probably where we should stop. But I think that uh, in our next show, we ought to dig into this, as you said, Bob, just exactly what is the difference between these worldviews? How do they coexist or do they coexist? How do they interact? Uh, does one uh, is does one act in exclusion of the other or do both act in exclusion of the other? What what is this all about? Because we're seeing if there's anything that is that is really up to date and today. It's this conflict between theistic worldviews. And, uh, and Rush, if I may, just before we get off, go off the air here today, um, a lot of this, this, this conflict between uh, Western society and Middle Eastern society, Islamic societies, a lot of it centers on 
what you and I have called question number four of the eight great worldview questions. And let me just remind our listeners that question number four is, what happens when we die? What happens after this world is over? What happens to the human soul, if there is a human soul? And I think we're going to realize, as we look at uh, biblical Christianity, even biblical Judaism against the Quran and, and, and Islam, that that one particular worldview question really is a point of demarcation between these worldviews. Wow. That's a place to stop, Bob. Great to be with you again, and we encourage our listeners to come back. We're going to continue to talk about this. We're hopefully going to talk about it from a different perspective than what you see in the papers or here on TV, because we can discuss some things that I think that they will not dig into. They try to keep it apart from, keep what's happening in these countries apart from the look at a theistic worldview. But that's where we're come at, coming at this conversation. Come back and join us. Thanks again, JP, for all you do to help make the show possible. Bob, thanks to you. Thanks to all the people at Big Brains Media. We look forward to seeing you all again next week. <laughs>